This episode of ACNA Open Mic is proudly brought to you from something called the White House. That is Ashling's lovely home in Adelaide, where we interview Ashling and Tanya, and they talk about everything to do with work. Well, discovering their roles in ACNA, the jobs that they do, and some amazing client stories. They do share interesting stories about their first bike and also their favourite song. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It was fantastic recording it and good fun to hear from the White House. Hello, Tanya and Ashling, and welcome to ACNA Open Mic. Hello, thank you for having us. Lovely to be here. Now, Tanya and Ashling, you are the first people to be sitting in the same room as we are recording and we have some beautiful background noises of your dogs, Ashling, which anyone who's done a Blue Jeans with you will have seen. Do you want to describe a bit further, Ashling, about where you guys are situated in your little temporary podcast studio? <laughs> well, where we call this is the West Wing, which is really an enclosed veranda, <laughs> but it's located in the West. And the reason I call it the West Wing is my house is small and white, so we call it the White House. <laughs> oh, very cool. So it's the West Wing. Um, and so we're just in a little booth um, with seats, so we're just sitting where we would normally eat tea. Tanya, you drove to the White House this afternoon. Tell us about your journey to get there and what part of the country you're in. So I drove from the south of Adelaide across to the east of Adelaide. I skirt around the city of Adelaide and see the beautiful foothills on my travel through and get to look at the sun shining and out as if I was going out on the freeway towards the country um, and then come into the little white house here where Ashling's always looking forward to greeting me with a coffee. Oh, that sounds divine. That wonderful city of Adelaide, which you've just told me has opened its borders to the ACT, so that's a bit of dangerous. Might see me sooner than you'd wished. I'm going to ask you a series of questions that every listener of the podcast is looking forward to hearing the answers of. And I'm going to start with Ashling again, if that's okay. Ashling, I would love to hear a little bit more about your first bike. Well, that is a bit of a funny story because I never got to cycle my first bike. <laughs> so I got one for Christmas and it was a girl's bike. It was kind of a brownie, rusty colour with these big cream, ginormous wheels and really fat wheels. And uh, my brother is 18 months older than me and he, you know, in his usual fashion, I'll go and jump on it first and took it for a spin and came back and he, the two tyres were burst because where we lived there was often a lot of broken glass on the ground and so the tires had actually burst so they weren't it wasn't a tube it was actually the tires themselves that ripped so they weren't able to be repaired so I never got to ride my first bike <laughs> oh Ashling that is bringing tears to my eyes where <laughs> were you with said bike because I have a funny feeling it wasn't Australia was it no it was in Ireland but my dad, being the genius man that he is, said, right, okay, well, seeing as how you wrecked Ashling's bike, she gets to ride around on your bike, Dermot. And so I got on his ginormous bike and my dad got me pedalling on it and let go and I was cycling very nicely around until I needed to turn left <laughs> um, to avoid hitting what we call a pitch and you would call an oval. And I hit the curb of the pitch and went flying over the handlebars 
(laughs) But I got back up again, back up on the bike, and off I went cycling. And it's one of two times I've ever fallen off a bike. Oh, Ashley, when did you come to Australia? In 1989. So I'm 31 years in Australia. Oh, goodness. So I was 19 years old, so fairly long in the tooth, and I love it. And my parents were coming to settle us here and then go back to Ireland, but they absolutely fell in love with Australia and, and the culture and the beautiful sunshine and, of course, didn't want to leave us. <laughs> so they ended up staying as well. So that was really fantastic. Oh, that is a lovely story. Tanya, would you like to share information about your first bike? Sure. So um, being the youngest child of five, I always got hand-me-downs from said siblings who we probably only ever got one or two new bikes to begin with between us. Um, But my dad did an amazing job of pulling apart my brother's previous bike and I got to choose the colour that he was painting it. So I got a beautiful fire engine red bike when I'd finished being patient enough to watch it hanging in the shed for a few months disassembled and then getting slowly reassembled because it always took a lot of time and a lot of discussions and I think between the uncles and the dad a few beers in the shed while they reassembled said equipment. (laughs) Isn't that frustrating as a kid? You're looking at that bike and they've just got to put it together but they're too busy having beers. That's exactly right. His his shed was the place everyone went for a good chat and a, a relax and a beer and I think my bike got done between probably 50 or 60 of them. <laughs> and were you in Adelaide then when you were a kid? I was, I was. So my family comes from a little town on the way to Broken Hill out in the country area of South Australia and we moved to Adelaide because my parents' house burnt down and a gas fridge exploded and <gasps> my mum um, was delivering one of the kids in um hospital and they tried to stay on the station for a while longer to raise their family but my siblings were quite they had to um move along came down to south australia with very uh, came down to adelaide with very little and resettled the five kids and took in parents and my grandparents and um, did very well dad worked really hard to make a living and teach us what it was like to live in a city rather than an open plain area in in the country of south australia Oh, that is fascinating. Tanya, I'm going to keep you talking and get you to fast forward a few years from your childhood through to when you discovered a role at ACNA and what made you investigate that role further and led you towards ACNA? So I came back to South Australia from living in the Northern Territory in around about April 2015 because my dad became terminally ill with cancer and I decided to return to Adelaide to help care for him through his final stages and part of that I decided to of course look for work and I'd been doing a lot of things within being on mining sites and worked for large companies in safety roles and done a lot of occupational health and safety type work and I thought this time I'm going to choose something for me. I want to look at something that I really want to do, something that I want to be passionate about. And this ad in the paper jumped out about this role, talking to older Australians about making their life better and being proactive and helping them to live longer and happier, healthier lives. And it just spoke to me. So I went, you know what, I'm going to apply for this role. What have I got to lose, right? So I did. 
and I went and sat this interview and met people like the lovely lovely Laura from WA and sat and had a chat to these people about who they were and where they'd come from and the things that I was doing and the places that I'd been and worked and they were so interesting. And I left that interview going, if I take nothing else away, I've met some really amazing people. How lucky am I? That's a really cool story. Good on you, Tanya. Ashling, was your story similar? How did you discover the role at ACNA and what drew you towards it? Well, I was aware of ACNA in a previous role that I was in, which was a program that helped people who were socially isolated reconnect to the community. And part of the research that we that was looked at to set that project up um, was research that was done by ACNA with the reablement project, the original project. And so I guess when it's sort of like um, program that I was running was called the Living Well program and it helped people who were socially isolated reconnect to the community and it was a really rewarding role. It was short-term intervention to help people overcome whatever the barrier was to that reconnection and some really great results came out of it. So I only applied to ACNA out of all of the RAS agencies and was blessed to have an interview and meet, as Tanya said, some fantastic team members. And I left there thinking, I'm not going to get that role <laughs> because it's so exhausting <laughs> on the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was very welcomed afterwards to go, oh, wow, you know. So obviously they saw some elements of being a, a good assessor in there. <laughs> and so I was really thankful for that. And I think ACNA has lived up to my expectation in terms of being a leader and in that space and has done so much for my aged care and for older people. So got the job with ACNA Ashling, and you've had a few roles. Would you like to share your roles and also share something that really stands out for you in terms of working with a client? Well, a few of the roles. So when I started, we had us um, Easties over in the East. So myself, Tanya, Karen, Lisa, Janine and Layla came on later. Um, then some roles came up for mentoring and a few of us applied through an expression of interest to mentor um, our areas. And so I was the East mentor and really, really loved that part of the trial for the RAS capability team. And that was really fantastic to be able to bring what's great about ACNA to other organisations. And what really stood out for me there in terms of sort of not a, a client outcome, but out of, I suppose, how different it really opened my eyes to how different and, and, and the divide there was between us and other organisations in terms of how we assessed. I mean, I kind of always knew but didn't see the impact of that. And so it was fantastic seeing assessors go from an hour and a half with a laptop in a home to complete an assessment from where to go to actually completing some really great assessments on clients and, and seeing a lot more value in their role and growing um, in passion um, for their role and for client outcomes. And so that was really, really great. And one of the uh, fantastic outcome out of that was a client of uh, Rachel's, who was one of the reavement mentors. And it stands out for me a lot because of uh, the client had dementia. And, you know, we always struggle a bit with expectations of family around things. And this gentleman's wife had um, stopped him cooking because he had put a tea towel on the stove and it had 
set a light on a gas stove and he loved to cook and so she kind of stopped him cooking and it was something he was quite passionate about and when Rachel did the assessment with them she encouraged him to cook but perhaps because of the safety concern that whether his wife could help support him with that and because of his cognitive decline she talked to him and his wife about actually building capacity within the brain and that neuroplasticity of growing new neurons and part of that growing new neurons is that fantastic skill of learning something new so anytime we learn something new we create a new neuron which creates a new pathway which other pathways have broken down it allows the flow of information through this new pathway and this gentleman had stopped reading and he was an avid reader and his wife was a bit upset for him about that so the reablement plan for him was once a week for him to cook look up some new recipes on the iPad with his wife's support and with his wife present as a safety person and then if he did need any help with getting through the step for her to step in but once a week to cook a meal and when Rachel followed up on the assessment on the reablement outcome he had returned to cooking twice a week his wife was so excited she said the change is fantastic so much so that he had she stumbled upon him sitting reading a book and she hadn't seen him do that for like close to 12 months um, oh, and when so she seen him engrossed in a book she was it was confirmation for her that this pathway you know that there was still hope in terms of his cognitive ability and it was just really really fantastic for them so that one stands out to me and often a story that you know I'll use with clients when I go in to see them and particularly with cognitive decline to to bring that hope because it's a real outcome and a real lesson for us all that we can improve even when we think we can't. That is fantastic thank you for sharing that Ashley. Tanya, would you like to share a client's story? One of, I guess, the most impactful stories I've had in the recent couple of years is um, a client that I went to see who'd had his second knee replaced, had a bit of issues with infections in his knee and was really struggling to recapture that mobility that he'd had previously. His, him and his wife were quite active and went out and they would travel and um, get around the outback areas of, of SA quite often. And when he came out of the bedroom, because he spent most of his time laying down, he looked quite deflated and really, for lack of better words, like a lost soul. So we sat down and had a bit of a conversation and moved around the home so I could see how he managed stairs and the small areas that he was trying to manage. And as we were walking past the back of the home, I noticed the beautiful big caravan sitting out the back and um, his wife sort of half said, to me that's his pride and joy he loves that thing it's just been so sad we haven't been able to use it and that triggered that connection of something that was so valuable to him to be able to have the discussion of if not why not why can't you get back to getting out there and doing that and if you could what would that look like for you if you could do something how would you do it so we sat down and did probably a six-stage plan of how he would slowly his mobility. He would then walk between Beach Road and Gulfview Road, two beautiful coastal streets down in the southern suburbs of Adelaide. And then he would regain the confidence to then get out and be able to do some of the driving or some of the tasks with his wife. He had about a three-week setback because um, he got sick in the middle, but even through that setback, we'd encouraged him or motivated him enough that he believed he could get through that and get back on with his plan and achieve his goal to get back out with his wife. And sure enough, the last check-in was that, that him and his wife had planned a small trip down to the York Peninsula with the van. She would do most of the driving. They could 
stop along the way they'd planned where they'd, they could stop so that he could get out and stretch his knees and he achieved his goal. Oh, I was just saying, woohoo, in my head, that is awesome, Tanya. Thank you for sharing that story and I love how the follow-up helped him get through that setback. That really great to hear that. Thank you, Tanya. Now, Ashling, I'm going to throw to you as we wrap up this interview. I've got a bit of a different question, actually, Oz. Well, I'm going to ask your favourite song and then I'm going to ask a surprise question. So, Ashling, what's your favourite song? Well, it's Michi Forever is the band and the song is Whisper of Angels. Cool. We'll cut that in to the end of the track. Oh, lovely. And what's really funny about it is that it's the only album in myself and my husband's massive CD collections that we have the same. Oh, <laughs> like it. We'll definitely cut some of that music in. What's the last emoji you used, Ashling? Always a smiley face for me. I'm sorry. I'm a bit boring. <laughs> And when was the last time you used the smiley face? Um, I think in a message to Tanya before or maybe to Andrew or my <laughs> niece or something. <laughs> They're all looking for their smiley faces now. Yeah. Tanya, what's your favourite song? Oh, my favourite song would have to be anything from Pink. Um, so what? Just like a pill. Yeah, I just love the Rock emotion she puts. Yeah, she puts so much soul into everything she sings about. All right, and what's the last emoji you used? A wink. <laughs> Do you want to tell us who you used that for or is it too personal? No, to one of the assessors because um, we were just talking about their day at home doing um, reviews and uh, they were having a good day and I quite often end it with a well done wink. Oh, I love it. And that is a great way to end our interview. I have used your half hour that I booked. So I'd like to thank you both so much and thanks for making the effort to be in a studio in Adelaide together. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having us. Lovely. Love talking to you, Beck. I've started the recording again because just as I was saying goodbye to Tanya and Ashling, Ashling said, we forgot some twinning stuff. Ashling, do you want to tell us what are you talking about? <laughs> well, Tanya and myself are twins, but a few years, quite a few years apart. <laughs> I'm the oldest twin, but we were both born on the same day. And then we also have a driver's license expiration date that's exactly the same. Oh. And... What else have we got, Tanya? That's... Oh, yeah, Robert Robertson and Robert Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know your birthday so that everyone that listens to Acne Open Mic can send you happy birthdays. It's the best day of the year, the 8th of April, 19... Oh, I won't tell you when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> we nearly got it out of you. And I can hear you whispering in the background, Tanya, to you. You can use Ashling's microphone. Do you have anything to share about your twinning story that expands upon Ashling's? Oh, Ashling worked with my mother before she met me. Ooh, yeah. Oh, the history and the mystery continues. Exactly. Adelaide is just one big lounge room, babe. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and on that note, I'm really cutting off this recording. <laughs> oh, you guys are a crack up. Oh, oh I don't think I recorded the 20 stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Doggy Sorry, just one second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, he's gonna put the dogs down. It's all right, we're good to go. Let's not put the dogs down. <laughs> Let's just put them outside, shall we? No, they were at. They are outside.